Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's Julie Bates with the podcast, Turning the Pointing Labrador, episode number 225. And I don't know if my voice sounds normal or not, um, but I have been very sick <laughs> for, for since Christmas Eve. Um, when my daughter and her boyfriend came to spend Christmas, and it was wonderful, and they brought the world's nastiest uh, germ. And so I have been unable to even carry on speaking for more than a moment or two without coughing quite a bit. So I apologize for missing, gosh, an entire week and part of a second uh, before. And if I have to cough a little bit in here, I apologize. I'm trying to get back on this stuff. So, man, that... Uh, that uh, germ that's been going around is nastier than heck, and I understand it hangs on for a while. So I hope I can get through this just fine. Um, and I wish that everybody does not get that. And if you do, heal up quickly. What a what a nasty, nasty thing. But moving forward in 20... Welcome, Happy New Year to everybody. I hope that 2023 is a much better year for all of us in all the different ways that it can be better. Um... And I plan on this year, again, because my life completely changed on a dime uh, last fall. And so I'm not out every day uh, training dogs. You know when I was really happy about that? When it was about 15 below zero with 30, 40 mile an hour winds outside. So I don't know what the wind chill was. And I didn't have to walk a quarter mile up to my kennel from the house in that and then have the doors frozen shut because the warmth inside where the dogs were and the humidity basically froze the doors shut. And then going through all that, and then you let them out and they can't be out very long because their feet start to freeze. I It was nice for the first time in decades that I didn't have to deal with that. I'll be honest, I enjoyed that part. It was like, okay, this isn't so bad. <laughs> I don't, nobody's freezing, no dogs are freezing, I'm not freezing. This is a lot better, but I still miss Miss the, the dogs in the world and all that. Staying pretty involved, though. Um, I hope everybody got to see the uh, Triple Crown video. Again, there's a little too much of me talking in there. But I think they wanted some explanation. Uh, but the dogs were... The, the photography. My goodness. If I'd never been to Divide, Colorado after watching that, I would have wanted to go. Um, Kinetic did a fabulous job on that. And... Uh, the guys that they interviewed, you know, they did a really excellent job. Uh, their dog, both of them, of course, passed our Triple Crown TC1 dogs. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. It was a beautiful, a beautiful video, and it did show, um, it didn't show any technical water stuff or technical retrieving stuff, but it showed a lot of dogs, you know, moving through the field and some beautiful physiques and some nice points and a few retrieves and stuff. So that was really nice. I hope everybody enjoyed that. They did They did a, just a real service to, uh, I think, to the Pointing Labs because these guys um, aren't one-sided dogs by any means. They can do a lot of things. A lot of those dogs you saw in that video too, uh, master hunters, you know, master national finishers, uh, hunter retriever champions. They, they, did, they do everything. Um, I'm not sure that there were any qualified knowledge in there. I don't, not... Not sure. I don't know for sure. Could have been one or two of those in there as well. So um, the Pointing Labs are, you know, become quite creditable, at least in most parts of the country. So on that note, I'm going to I'm going to kind of do some general business stuff here right now. 
I understand in conversations with somebody who listens to this podcast, I know that in another part of the country, further north, um, there are a lot of, a lot of the retriever clubs, a lot of the field trial and, and hunt test stuff. And there's still a little bit of a thing about if you have a pointing lap, you don't mention it, um, because these people will make fun of you, you know, or they'll just make assumptions about you. And, and they're talking about forming a, uh, a local pointing lap club that does all the retriever stuff, but does it where they also do the upland and do the pointing. And I strongly encourage, just as a pointing lab person myself, strongly encourage in different parts of the country, if some people get together, and I, I think that, you know, all of the local clubs are listed on the American Pointing Lab Association webpage. If you want to see if there is a club somewhere in your area, you can get on there and look at that. And also, if there is not a club in your area, um, you can get help and resources and advice from people who have formed their clubs in their different regions. And we can get more of these clubs formed, even if it's maybe, you know, two or three people or four or five people or just 10 people or whatever, where you start to get together and you know, it doesn't have to be just all slicked out like you were with the Northwest Club or the Rocky Mountain Pointing Lab Club or something like that, who have been doing this for a very long time now. But if you just start with getting some people together where nobody's going to make fun of anybody's dog, that's always nice. And then you can begin to set up some real easy things like, okay, we're going to run some marks. We're going to, this guy has wingers and this guy has dokens or we've got some dead chuckers that frozen chucker we can use i i strongly uh you know if you're interested in this and would like some help i don't care where you live because i know in the upper northeast corner of the united states there are pointing labs there are pointing labs in florida california is chock full of them even though they had a club for a while and then i think it kind of faded away with the one person that was doing it there's pointing labs in arizona I know there's a zillion of them in Texas and everywhere in between. So if people would begin to organize, get hold of the APLA if you need some help, get hold of some other local clubs to get some advice. This is a very, very supportive group and people will help form these clubs and get some things going. And then if you need to, I mean, there's, there's a, you know, there's a lot of advice out there. There's videos, and I think there's going to be more videos just showing, you know, what does a certified test look like? What does an advanced test look like? You know, you, what you saw on the triple ground thing, that's the end result. That's what we're all shooting for. That's the, some of the finest dogs in the country. Um, how do you be, it doesn't start like that. And like we said on the video, it, it's not very easy. It's not like you just go do some stuff and you've got one of those. It takes everybody that you saw running those dogs and handling those dogs and doing that. Man, they started not knowing anything. And their dogs started out going, what is this? And then they wind up eventually staying at it. I think one of the, I think Brian Somke quoted, you know, it'd been six years he'd been working on his dog that got that TC1 title. And it takes a while and it's hard and you aren't going to have all the answers. And it's not like there's a, Anything that you can get that's going to tell you, okay, this is how you do everything. And then if you just do this, it all works because they're all different. And 
most of all, perhaps, because in training pointing labs, there isn't like a way, uh, at least within my experience, uh, there is not like a way. Okay, this is how you do it with all dogs. And if you do this with all your dogs, you'll bring out the best of them and you'll get there. That's actually not what I found. And I think as of the end of 2022, I hit my 90th Grandmaster title. So I've, I've trained 90 dogs, actually more than that, but because a lot of them don't run the events and don't get the titles, but I've trained 90 dogs to the Grandmaster title. And in doing that, I have found that we're going to go route A with this particular dog because that's how they are. And then with another dog, almost diametrically opposed different way. You know, there's some dogs who are just upland, upland, do it every week, every week, no matter what. And there's dogs where you do upland, upland, and then go, all right, we stopping. And we're going to stop for maybe six, eight weeks or longer until certain things change. So it's not, it's something that takes time and thought and working out and talking to people who know things and not just following directions, but making sure you understand it. And it, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But the reason there aren't 10 zillion phenomenal pointing labs and pointing lab trainers everywhere that are just whipping these dogs out is because, because of this strange nature between the highly aggressive go get them retrieving stuff and blind retrieve stuff, you know, that's a real go get them stuff at which retrievers excel. And then there's this don't go get them stuff in the upland field but at the same time you want them you know they got to hunt they got to get in the sticky stuff they got to get in the icky stuff they got to go if it's hot they got to go if they get poked with something they got to go if they stepped on something and yet when they find that bird then they do not go right these are different kinds of thinking in different parts of their heads and to develop a program uh, where both of those things are brought out uh, is a non-trivial thing. Can it be done? Absolutely. But it's but it takes a lot of thought and it takes a lot of caring. So I, I just really wanted to get that out there in, in terms of this. Because um, what you saw were dogs that were approached a variety of different ways. There's some dogs on that triple crown thing. Uh, if you yell at them <laughs> and do some, you know, and do some bad stuff, they take it very personal. And you're going to spend have to spend a few weeks getting it back. And there's other dogs out there. If you don't thump them over the head, they aren't going to do it the way you want to. So there's there's um, a lot to this. And when people can organize and get together and benefit from uh, working together, I, you know, that's a win-win situation. And I just hope that uh, people feel like they can get in there and, and you know, do that kind of thing. So... Uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, because I've gotten several uh, uh, things people understood. Now that I'm not training dogs, people still want to want to work with me, and and that's awesome because I'm still doing that. But there seems to be some interesting, sometimes misconceptions, some not. I got something recently from somebody who was interested in in connecting because they were very worried about sending their dog off for training because they hurt dogs. When, they, when they're training them, they, they hurt them. Now, I don't know exactly what was meant by that. Um, maybe they think force fetch is hurting them. Maybe jerking on a leash is hurting them. 
it, it it's it's not um you know anyone can hurt a dog it doesn't take training to do that but there seems to be some real misconceptions one about about uh, training and trainers and and then other people who have no idea how nasty it can be sometimes <laughs> with certain people so I just want to put some thoughts out about training and nice and not nice and all that. I, I, I think that judging anything by how nice or not nice it is may be um, a little bit self-serving and really not, not appropriate for what's going on. It, so anybody that either was a kid or has a kid, um, you know, my son was in uh, wrestling for a long time fairly successfully he was in wrestling and you know we, he went to practice every day after school and sometimes he would come home with a really big old black eye and of course in the beginning I'm like oh my god what happened what are they doing you know I, and because wrestling is where people are are uh, being very very physical with each other and sometimes you know somebody's elbow hits you in the face not intentionally or someone's you know knee comes around and whips you and stuff like that so I learned from my wrestling son that the nature of the game that he wanted to play was one in which this kind of thing could happen particularly if you were serious about getting very good and so as much as I personally would never wrestle because <laughs> if somebody elbowed me in that face I would not be very happy I wouldn't just shake it off and keep going because that's not my nature but it was for him and I had to you know as the mother of this wrestler understand that this was part of the deal similarly uh, my daughter was a very good cross-country runner uh, went to college doing cross-country running and there were times when they would have to do certain things certain intervals or whatever where it was some of them would wind up exhausting themselves or pushing themselves so hard that they actually got sick um and again you know nobody likes that i i hate that i've been there myself a few times in the stuff that i do but that was part of the deal if you wanted to be really good then you had to press certain limits uh to get better that was the nature of running you know any anything that runs as fast as it can for a long ways uh, is is pushing itself pretty deeply so in dog training for performance particularly let's we're going to talk field performance and hunting dogs and when you see these dogs follow their ultimate uh, goal and what they're doing like in that triple crown video when you see oh, it's all happy right they're beautiful they got muscles out the kazoo you know how they got those right working really hard they didn't just pop up for nothing and they're running through there and where we were running in that video there was cactus there there was some yucca there there was some stuff that hurts if you step on it or bump into it you never saw a sign of that with any of those dogs that, that there was some nasty stuff up there. there's also a lot of uh, igneous rocks over there to tear your paw open and stuff like that right no one's gonna pull them out of there because of that those dogs have learned one what it is and how to avoid it and the only way you learn what it is and how to avoid it is by stepping in it and bumping into it and that hurts so there's a lot of aspects 
of dog training just like wrestling or running or tennis or skiing holy crap <laughs> you know you can see what happens to skiers when they're training really hard that can really be something and it's worth it to those people so i i want to say in terms of dog training there's mean people and if mean people do mean things it doesn't take it doesn't take training a field dog or a labrador or a retriever or anything people can be what happens behind closed doors can be very mean it isn't the training itself that has to be the mean part now just so when you do when you do a basic obedience on a dog and of course i'm a choke chain person i don't like prong collars that's just pain this is i'm gonna poke you in the neck so bad <laughs> so i i've never been a a big follower of that but I use a choke chain, which is a real quick impulse, which is um, basically a level of discomfort that they don't want again. Now, a lot of training, that's force fetch, and I'm an ear pincher, so I'm going to pinch on your ear, and it's usually the idea of the pinch that's the worst thing, until you learn, you learn to grab something and then you don't get an ear pinch. So again, we're avoiding discomfort. But in, in, if people have a problem with that, then they really need to look a little bit more into the uh, very nature of dogs. I had a story, a good friend of mine just told me just a little while ago this morning. Um, he got a new puppy. Puppy is, I think he said, 10 weeks old. And so he brought it home and he has a male. He has several females that were outside in the kennels and he has a male that's in the house. Older male, accomplished, titled and all that stuff. And so, and his girlfriend was there with him, and they, so they bring the puppy in, and this little cute puppy, right? And so she's gonna, she's like, oh, look at this big, giant dog toy. <laughs> I'm gonna pull on his ears, and I'm gonna bite him in the eye, and all that stuff. And so, of course, uh, what happened was, when the dog got sick of it, he kind of growled and lunged at her and just scared the little puppy to death. And of course, the lady was horrified, the girlfriend. She was horrified. She's like, oh my God, <laughs> did you see? So don't let him, <laughs> don't let him do that. And, and the guy was like, yeah, no, it's okay. This is how these guys, obviously knew his own dog, wasn't going to actually attack the puppy. Obviously, that would not be okay. But here's the way that one dog tells another dog, do not jack with me. Don't bite me. Don't stick your teeth into any part of me. Don't crawl on my head if I don't want you to. And they did something that made the dog frightened and a little uncomfortable. And then the dog doesn't continue to do it. Unless it's really, really stupid. In which case, then the dog will up the ante until it penetrates the stupidity. And the dog goes, think I'm not going to do that anymore. And that's the same thing with a mother dog. A mother dog and little puppies. When little puppies do something to the mom that she doesn't like, she promptly stops it. So I'm, you know, now that's not how I raised my kids. I didn't promptly <laughs> growl and throw them backwards, all right? I didn't do that. But <coughs> also, I'm not a dog. In the dog world, this is how these guys communicate with one another. So it's just what they do. It is how they are programmed, how they think, and how they interact. So they learn by, you know, they learn not to step on cactus by stepping on cactus, going, wow, that's really bad. I'm going to look for those before I step from now on. And all of dog training, basic obedience is, okay, you're going to walk on a leash and you're going to walk right next to me. 
and that's pretty much it and I'm gonna show you what I want and I'm gonna require that you do that and if you decide to opt out I'm going to opt you right back in again with the leash because we have much bigger things to think about than avoiding leash work we have much greater things to think about and it's like just like if you're teaching your kid to drive you need to teach them to drive really well not so that they're wonderful drivers but so that they're good drivers and they can start driving themselves places and you can do your own thing and they can drive themselves there's a bigger picture to it and when we're training our dogs basic obedience walk on a leash come when called sit when I ask you it's because there are big things ahead that this fundamental response has to be present probably one of the biggest things people who are afraid of being demanding on a dog not unfair not mean but demanding if you have a dog that does not want to come when called I've seen this myself right and it said you know I would come if there's nothing better I'll come but otherwise if there's something more compelling I'll get back to you later and somebody's dog took off after a something chasing something a ground squirrel or something like that and they were calling it back and it ran across the road and got hit by a truck it took a little while and then it was dead okay it, is that worth being nice to a dog is that worth you know, I just cannot be demanding on my dog and teach him I have to come when they're called. You know how many zillion stories there are like that that happen uh, in the front yard, across the street, in the park, um, certainly hunting when a dog winds up someplace that it shouldn't be. Really bad things can happen. So I see absolutely zero reason to not teach every dog I have to come when called period no matter what because I would like to have that dog healthy sound and in one piece for the entire lifetime of the dog therefore I'm not going to try and find a treat way to bribe it to come when I call it which is all I see in the real world that I live in now and it's like every one of these dogs is going to be dead if you guys are out near a street and something happens because somewhere they've learned that we beg borrow and steal trying to get these dogs to listen to us instead of actually teach them this stuff so to me that's cruelty that's uh that's cruelty to an animal not to let them know what their role is in their life not to turn the reins over to them and say you can be off leash still got to do everything that i say that's very feasible and very learnable but if you're all worried about how nice or not nice you are then maybe having a dog probably isn't such a good thing a cat be a little bit better because they do whatever they want anyway and it doesn't matter how hard you try so that's kind of my commentary on nice training or not nice training rotten people that like being mean to dogs they can they'll do that all the time there's there's they're not doing it because they're a trainer they're doing it because they're obnoxious and nasty and they like hurting animals but a good trainer does not hurt an animal but they do whatever it takes just like a mother dog does or that guy's dog in the living room when the dog is just mauling him to death and he goes I had enough man I'm just going to sit in the living room without you biting me all over the place that's very very feasible and I guarantee all of those dogs that, would, that you would see on that triple crown video <laughs> all of them it, you notice none of them had collars on none of them had anything all of them come when called sit when told at a dead run anything else bird flies up they don't move 
um that's kind of the end goal and and that's why all those dogs are the age they are and they're still around and they're probably not going to have anything bad happen honey because they know what the rules are and they play by them and so even our puppies when you guys get puppies and puppy people i'm going to do another puppy series i just have to because puppies are precious and adorable right and and they are the place where you want to start teaching them right off okay we have a certain relationship you used to have it with your mom now you got it with me we're a team only i'm the team leader and we're going to do all kinds of wonderful things and i'm going to give you all kinds of meaning in life all kinds of meaning that is we're, there's things we're going to do that you love and we're going to go do those play by the rules we're going to be active we're going to have a lifestyle that makes you want to wake up every day and get going in return you're going to play all this stuff by my rules you're going to pay attention to me i am important you're going to listen and respond not just because I expect you to, because I'm going to show you how to do that, what the rules are, and then I'm going to hold you consistently to it. And that's the easiest way in the world to train dogs. But it's by already looking at them like an animal that isn't here just to be your best buddy, who has a purpose and wants to find meaning and value in everything that they do. And by you teaching them, what their role is by you participating with them um, you get what you saw in that video you get the happiest dogs in the world the most mentally stable physically sound animals who have absolutely no question why they are here and what their job is and compliance to them isn't something they're beat into or forced into or intimidated into or thumped or hurt into it's something that they are very willing to do because it's how they get to go play the game they love more than anything. And that's probably the greatest gift you could give any animal is meaning, value, and purpose. And also their understanding that they don't run your life, but they are an active part of it. So uh, I, my voice is starting to go. It's been 26 minutes. Uh, I'm going to start doing, I think, some puppy stuff because it's a new part of the year and there's a lot of... A lot of people are getting going with their puppies i'd like to do that that's my favorite part of all dog training anyway um please keep coming with your questions uh and comments and those are welcome and i hope everybody has a, a really marvelous 2023 we have a lot of exciting things in the dog world it's going to be a good year um and i just hope that uh, everybody jumps in with both feet and participates with their animal and has a really good time so uh i understand i'm not someone else is working with g right now since i am not in a position to do that i understand she's still doing well i'll still do some g reports gotta get some video and see how she's doing and of course her sister's been hunting in ohio all the time um probably just having the time of her life so i know both those guys are sort of uh triple crown bound if possible i'll make sure everybody knows about that meanwhile everyone stay safe healthy a uh, little bit more hunting season enjoy it safely best you can hope the weather is not being too tough on everybody real kind of a real <laughs> snowy gold demanding uh winter this year so all the best to everybody and i will be back soon <laughs>